0: Good morning, it's great to see you today. I just, I want to do something that I I don't normally do, um, and that is I want to give a plug for our sermon series next month. I just, I feel that, that this year, with our sermon series for the month of December that we're calling Believe, I feel that God has given us a vision to reach the skeptic. I know that you know lots of skeptics when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to what they think of Jesus, when it comes to what they believe about Christmas, but what we're going to do for the month of December is we are going to present the Christmas story from an approach that they will be able to appreciate and identify with and ultimately I believe that they will walk away from next month. They will walk away with, with certainly a lot of questions that they're asking themselves that ultimately Jesus can answer. And so I I think it's going to be a great month. I want to encourage you to invite your friends. I want you to invite your family members. I want you, if you know somebody that is skeptical of the gospel, that's a person I want you to invite. Because I think there's going to be a great response throughout that month. And uh, it'll be really good. So, um, you know, last week I, I really wanted to, to do uh, a bunch of these words found in Proverbs, um, but, but I realized I could only do two. Forgive me. Um, I did not realize, um, I, I went a little longer than I should have, and I did not realize it. Um, somebody said to me that their, their, their uh, teenager leaned over to them and said, how long is he going to preach anyway? And... Um, so I kind of was feeling a little guilty about that all week, you know, and I thought maybe, maybe I should kind of cut them some slack and give them back a few minutes this week by preaching a little less, you know, than I normally do. And then I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> But my counter is back up and going, so I know exactly how much time uh, I have. Don't look at that thing because I don't pay attention to it anyway. Um, I just—that's for your comfort, okay? That way you know when overtime comes, okay? If it's after 30 minutes, we're in overtime, and overtime is very urgent, okay? So just just know that. Um, Also, I I need you to do me a favor today. I, I'm going to talk about some things, and I'm going to share some personal examples and personal stories from my own life, okay, from my family. Um, I, I have not, I, I don't hide my family from you, right, okay? Um, I, I have had uh, both my parents uh, speak. I have had a sister-in-law and brother speak, and they have told you their stories. They have told you, and and it has included some some really gnarly stuff. Just to be honest, I mean, my my family tree um, is is would not be an an apple tree. I mean, it's it's a it's a rough looking tree. Okay, but God by His grace has saved uh, much of my family, and but I'm going to share some things with you, and and I'm going to share them about. <clears throat> how I was raised and, and how I grew up. And I just want you to understand I, I, the relationship that I have with my family, I am so blessed. And, and I, if, you, if you think, oh, man, some of the stuff he's talking about, I wonder, I wonder about his relationship, maybe particularly with my dad. Go back and listen to our Father's Day message this year, from this year, earlier this year. I have such a love and respect for my dad. Um, we talk four, five, six times a week at least. Um, I call it protecting the investment. You call it whatever you want to. Um, no, I'm teasing. I call it a well checkup sometimes, you know, but, but I call him at like the same time every day uh, just to, uh, ch- to check in with him and tell him how much I love him. So you've got to not be offended when I share something, okay? If you go, oh, <gasps> Today, that oh, that you'd wind up in jail for that, okay? If it got out, you would. But that was the way, that was just how we grew up and that was life, okay? Many of you can identify with that. So I want to talk today about two words from the book of Proverbs and these are themes that run throughout the book that I think are, are really important. The first word today I know you're going to be very excited about, okay? Are you with me? Very excited. I want you to show me your excited face. Show me your excited face. Some of you are never excited. <clears throat> the word is discipline. A holy hush covers. <laughs> now, I'm going to read you a verse, and you're going to go, wow, this is really going in a great direction. Proverbs 22:15. The, the The King James uses the word foolishness. The NIV uses the word folly. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. <laughs> Come on. I know who that was. I could tell your voice right there. I'm going to talk to you later. My I, we grew up my dad was he took the Bible literally, okay? The rod of correction will drive it far from him. It even says him, and my dad had three boys. My dad took this as a scriptural command, okay? And we got, my dad said we never got enough, and I'm being honest. And he would tell you that he told us that, okay? But on the side, I had my Uncle Bob saying, man, you guys got a lot of weapons." okay? That's what we called them. If you're offended by that, you missed what I said earlier, okay? You don't need to be offended by that. I'm not offended by that. My brothers are not offended by that. But we got more than our fair share while being convinced that we weren't getting enough. And we called them weapons because there was a piece of leather involved that my dad wore around his waist. And I don't know if he knew this, but the sound of that coming off his waist would send chills up my spine. And that sound alone would be all I would need to hear. Okay? So, my dad, my dad was a, a factory worker, okay? 42 years in General Motors. I'm so, I, 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 th- I thank the Lord. I drive GM vehicles okay, because my dad worked for General Motors, and that, that place put, it put food on, on our table. My dad, I, you know, I still thank the Lord for, for GM because of the impact that it has had on my dad's life, and I'm so blessed by that, um, but my dad, uh, you're, when you're a factory worker, you work on a line, okay, do you know what I'm talking about? Vehicles start out as just parts and pieces, okay? The chassis, you know, comes along as a frame, and your job is to work on that and do your one job. You might have three screws that you put in every chassis that comes by, and that's what working on a line is. My dad took that same philosophy into discipline. Are you with me? Three boys. What do you do with them? You line them up okay, because in my house, something would happen, and, and my mother would not know who did it, and so she would say, Larry, one of the boys did this, and my dad would line us up. Kevin, you did this, didn't you? No, dad, I didn't. He'd go to Dan, you did this, didn't you? No, I didn't. He would go to Mark, Mark, you did this, didn't you? No one would confess. Anybody grew up in a home like that? No one confessed to doing anything. My dad believed that there was only one solution because you can't let the guy who did it get off. So everybody's going to get it. Are you with me? It seemed like we were in their bedroom for this. Okay. And so we, we, I know what you're thinking. I already told you, you cannot be offended by this. Okay. We would, we would have to bend over and put our hands on the bed. All right. And he would go a couple down the, on the first one, a couple on the second one. He'd get to the third <laughs> on the backswing. You know, he hadn't even done anything yet. And when he would get done, There were six death grips in that bedspread that would stay there until someone would come. I can imagine my mother coming in there later and smoothing that all out. I wonder how many whippings I got because my brother Dan never fessed up. (laughs) That is the deep spiritual truth that I have come away with in preparing for this message. And on Wednesday, I will walk into his house, and I think I'm gonna ask him that question. Discipline. As we become adults, discipline looks different. It takes on a different feel in our lives. Proverbs talks about discipline. I want to give you four things that, that Proverbs says that we need to know about discipline. They're huge. Number one, Captain Obvious, it's not enjoyable. Are you with me? It's not enjoyable. Proverbs tells us that there are those who literally, they hate discipline and correction. Why do they hate it? It's because no one likes it. Hebrews says this, 12.11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. That's very well written. That's not how I would have written it <laughs> because of the kind of discipline that I received. I would have been a little bit more descriptive. But it, it does not seem pleasant at the time, but painful. That's, that's accurate. Okay, I can identify with that. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. When I was on staff uh, out east, I I remember one day, and I've told this story before, but I really think that it bears repeating. uh, My phone in my office rang, and it was my senior pastor. And my senior pastor never called my office phone. If he really wanted to talk to me, he he did what was called leadership by walking around. He would get up and walk around and, and see people and chat with them. But he told me to come into his office. I'm getting the death grip ready, and immediately my mind is swirling. What did I do wrong? And I'll be honest with you, I was real. I hadn't been there a long time. Um, I was very nervous. I thought I I am I'm in trouble, but then I I've, I I got a hold of myself and I said, you know what? I believe that I'm here because God wants me here. I believe that my pastor loves me, so even if I've done something wrong, he's going to walk me through it, and it will all be well. It may not be pleasant, but it's going to be okay. And I just grabbed onto that. I walked into his office. And he had two areas. He had a sitting area where we would have, uh, you know, one-on-one meetings. And then there was a, a divider wall, and on the other side was his desk. He was not in the seating area. He was on the other side. And so he calls me over to his desk, okay, he always talks to you in the seating area. Now he's calling. I go around the corner. He's sitting at his computer, and I say, "Dear Jesus, he has computer evidence of whatever I've done. He's at his computer. He has digital proof. Okay, this is going to be hard to deny. I'm, I just got to. I, I got to live up to this. Okay, whatever it is. He says, "Come on over here." And he and he come. I come over to his desk. He is looking at his computer screen. He has a CD-ROM of a, play, a, a virtual digital playing card of Brett Fire from the Green Bay Packers, and he wants to show me how cool this is. Okay? <laughs> I said to him, you'd think I'm joking. I said, don't ever do this to me again. I said, if you call me in here, you better be ready to put the boots to me because that freaks me out. I I was listen, even the, the thought of discipline wigs us out, right? Even the thought of it. I remember when I was a kid. I remember once, I was in I was in high school, I was probably a a, a junior or senior, and my brother Mark was getting his, somewhere in the house, okay? And by that time, we weren't lined up anymore. And, and I heard it happening. And I'm telling you, I shivered like it was 40 below, okay? Nobody, nobody likes discipline. But I got news for you, okay? At least I, I, I can say this because my, my mother told me this. When my dad would come out of that bedroom after, after giving it to all three of us, sometimes he would come out with tears running down his face. Discipline is not enjoyable for the one receiving it, but it's not enjoyable for the one who's giving it if it's done in a healthy way. We need to understand this today. My dad used to ask me rhetorical questions Do you think I like this? (laughs) I hope not, Dad. (laughs) I really hope not. He used to ask those questions but he was the same man that walked out of the room with tears in his eyes. I know that he did not like it. He did not enjoy it. I remember one time he said, Kevin, do you think I like coming home at night after a long day of work and and thinking I can't wait till I see my family and have your mother tell me that I've got to whip you today? He said, that's not fun. Discipline is not enjoyable. Number two, discipline comes from love. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Remember, I've told you about my relationship with my dad, okay? I didn't wake up one day magically as an adult and say, I love my dad. I remember, okay, I remember what it was like to sit in church with my dad. I don't think any of you have sat in church with a dad like my dad. Because my dad, if you were within arm's reach of him, he always had his arm on the pew and he was always playing with my ear. I'm a senior in high school and my dad is playing with my neck and my ear and I'm trying to get away from him. My dad loved me. He loved my brothers. We knew it, even though we knew what discipline was. I knew it for sure. Proverbs 3.12, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father, the son, he delights in. I know that my dad delighted in me. He loved me, and because of that love, he disciplined me. I do not like disciplining my children. I do it for one reason, because I love them. I love them. God brings discipline into our lives because he loves us and wants us to grow spiritually. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't discipline us or correct us when we get off track. Number three, we decide whether or not to accept discipline. Some of us have had kids. That it doesn't matter how much we disciplined them, they never accepted it. You get what I'm saying? Proverbs chapter three verse eleven: My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, for He does not resent and and do not resent His rebuke. You see, we ch- choose whether to accept or reject the Lord's discipline in our lives. I've got a friend that uh, that spent. Um, I don't know, six or eight months um, in a Christian rehab program in Milwaukee called Teen Challenge. And he told me that one of their favorite disciplinary tools to use there, of course, you're, you're talking about grown adults, okay, that are in a program because they have life-controlling issues. And, and if you if you would, and it, and it was very stringent on the rules, if you broke the rules, one of their favorite things to do for discipline was to make you write out By hand, the book of Proverbs. 31 chapters. He said, I know the book of Proverbs. (laughs) He didn't write it once, he wrote it many times while he was there. God wants to use and does use the circumstances in our lives to bring us to our knees but that doesn't mean that we've submitted ourselves to his authority and to his discipline. The Bible tells us that one day each of us will face judgment and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The question is, during your life on this earth, will you accept or reject God's discipline? The choice is yours. No one can answer that for you. Not your mom, not your dad, not your spouse, not your children, not your grandmother. You must answer that question for yourself. You cannot claim to be a victim. Only you can answer it for yourself. Number four, our response to discipline dictates our course. It dictates our direction. It dictates where we're heading. Each one of us experiences discipline at various points in our lives. How do we respond to that discipline and what does our response really mean? Proverbs 10.17 says, Whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. So how do you respond to discipline? Whether or not you can directly attribute it or trace it back to God, how do you respond? When we accept discipline, it will realign our actions and it will realign our hearts. When we accept discipline, we will show others the way to life, which means when we accept discipline, we are on the way to life. But when we reject it, We are showing others ultimately the way to death because that's the way that we're on and we are influencing them to join us. Now let me tell you something that the Bible said about this kind of an example. Jesus tells us in the Gospels, he said, listen, when you cause one of these little ones, and he's not talking about children, When you cause one of these little ones to stumble, okay? To stumble, to trip up, to fall, to fail, to change direction. It's better, it would be better for you if a millstone were tied around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. That's how serious Jesus is about us living an example for others. When we accept discipline in our life, whether it's on the job, whether it's from that wonderful officer that pulls us over to tell us that our brake light is out, or whether it's from God himself, how we accept discipline shows the direction that we're headed. Is it a direction toward life? Or is it a direction of leading others astray, away from life? Do we accept it? Do we reject it? Word number two, the word heart. These two words are going to wind up really working well together. Proverbs mentions the word heart 76 times. That's that. I, I was really surprised when I saw that number. But in English... We, we commonly use the word several different ways. Um, if a person possesses heart, that means they don't give up, especially during difficult times. Um, here's another one. This is really new. Um, I don't want to say since social media, but I think social media has made it very popular, and it's, it's this one. You, know, you see what I'm saying? You, you know, have you ever seen people do that? Do you know what they're telling you? I like you or I like this or I love that or I'm pleased with this they're giving you that that heart it's hard to do that I had to practice that it was sweet cuz my heart was really poorly shaped it means the central part or core of something it's a, 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 it's it's an organ that's on the left side of your chest And if it stops working, you will fall over onto your face in Zumba class. Been there, done that, got the tattoo. (laughs) Hebrews use the word, the Hebrew word, excuse me, used throughout Proverbs though. It refers to your feelings, your emotion, your will, your intellect. It's literally the center of your being. One source that I came across said, the same way that our physical heart occupies the central place in the body, the Hebrew word represents man's entire mental and moral activity, both rational and emotional elements. It figuratively refers to the hidden springs of the personal life. It's similar to the English word, but in the Bible it's much broader. It includes our, our, our mental intelligence, how smart we are, our thoughts, but it also includes the emotions, the will, the inner being, one source says. And all of the 76 references to heart, one of those references stands out more than all the rest. And here it is, chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That is a powerful scripture. The importance of guarding our heart is the fact that it's the source of everything. This summer... We purchased a different home because I love to do projects. It has to be the reason, because I'm doing them all the time. When we had the house inspected, it had been vacant for four years, and we knew this, and so you know, we, we knew that you had to expect certain things, and and the inspector said, Well, he said, I'm 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 really gonna assume that this home would fail. A water inspection and I'm like, excuse me? Say that again? Do you know how much they're asking for this house? And you're telling me that it's gonna fail? The water inspection? You mean I can't drink water out of this this tap? So I, I had to find out what do I have to do here? What do I what do I need to figure out? Well, there's, there's a bacteria test. It's called coliform bacteria test. And it, it only costs $7. You, you put it in the mail, and it goes off to the lab. It gets there in, in a day to the closest lab, and it comes back a few days later, and you find out. Does it pass? Does it fail? And what happens if it fails is you have to then take bleach and put it down your well. It sounds very counterproductive, because bleach has that symbol on it that says poison, do not drink, and you're pouring it into your well, and then you go in the house and you turn in all the water spigots in your house. Every, every source of water in the house, you turn it on, and you let it run until you begin to smell that bleach in the water in your house. Then you keep running it for a while. Then you take another test and you find out if indeed there is still coliform bacteria in your water. Don't panic. Our water's fine. But we had to go through a little bit of a process. You see, accessible, clean water, we need to have that source. It's very important to us. We use it for everything. Okay? We use it for cooking. I hope you've taken a bath recently. We wash our clothes with it. We wash our dishes with it. We clean the floors of our house with it. Unless you're somebody who uses a Swiffer and you just walk along and and squeeze that trigger and just keep doing like this. But we use it literally, and that's not even to mention, we drink it. We use it for everything. We have to protect our heart because everything in life flows out of it we need to guard it the way we would guard our water supply which we often take for granted let's look at four reasons why real quickly god knows the heart of every man proverbs 15:11 says death and destruction lie open before the lord how much more do human hearts in other words your heart lies open before god and all he has to do is observe We cannot hide ourselves and hide our hearts from God. He knows them. They are more than an open book before him. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What is God's word? It's the written version of the spoken word of God. What can his word do that he cannot do? So if the word of God is able to to literally understand my motives, God understands exactly the same thing. My heart is laid bare before him. Nothing is hidden from his sight. He sees every action. He hears every word. He knows every thought. Number two, God tests the heart of man. Proverbs 7.3, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Jeremiah 17.9 refers to man's heart as being desperately what? Not positive, not mostly good, wicked. The heart of man is desperately wicked. Isaiah describes the condition of our heart and the sin that is in our life as filthy rags. Paul says in Romans 3.23 that every person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every situation in our lives literally is is God testing our heart. And we come up on the short end of it. Not short on it because God has not been faithful or or just, but, but we fall short of the mark every single time. God tests our heart. Every situation serves as a test that reveals the condition of our heart. Number three, we're personally responsible for the condition of our heart. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9, it says, Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? Nobody can say that. But there are people that will say, I will not accept responsibility. We all know people like that. Maybe we've been someone like that in our lives to say, I won't accept responsibility. 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Apostle Paul says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us from the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We are responsible. We have the freedom that allows us to accept or reject God's commands. In Luke 6.45, Jesus said that, that the heart is the source of everything we say, that, that, that our heart is the our mouth speaks out of the overflow or the abundance of our heart. And only you are responsible for your heart. You can't blame anyone else. And number four, each person's heart has a choice. To accept or reject God. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 4. Then he taught me and said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. I want to close with one more scripture. It's not going to be on the screen because it doesn't need to be. But Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. John says this, And this is the voice of Christ. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. What Jesus is talking about there is not the door to your physical home. It's the door to your life. It's your heart. Jesus desires to come into your heart. Now, I know that you know yourself better than anyone else does. But I assure you that God knows you and God knows me even better than we know ourselves. So ultimately, it's our choice to accept God or to reject God. But there are only two choices. Your heart cannot be in the middle ground. Jesus said you will either love the one and hate the other, or you will hate the one and love the other. There's no middle ground. We either choose him or we reject him. The Apostle Peter writes and tells us that even though this is the case, God is patient And some of us interpret his patience as the inability to follow through on what he says. But his patience is because as a loving Heavenly Father, he wants to give every one of us the opportunity to accept him. Every one of us. Peter says he would that none would perish, but that all would come. To repentance I want you to know something today that God is knocking on the door of hearts this morning I believe that the Holy Spirit is here whether you're in the wiggle room or in the hub or in the cafe or here in the sanctuary I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking right now to hearts and his desire is to draw you to Jesus Christ. If you have never accepted him, that's his desire today.